Hey, welcome to the Knowles 24-7 podcast. This is Brendan Sinone, and I have Josh Newberg with me remotely. I can't see him, but I can I can hear him, and he sounds good. Hey, Josh. What's up, Brendan? Ooh, you do sound good. Sexy, even. It's good. It's a good start, right, to the podcast? Yeah, I think it's an excellent start. I can take all the compliments you want to hand out. <laughs> all right, so we have a lot to go over, and it, and it has... That's the only compliments I want to give right now. Um, we have a lot to go over because... Well, it's been a while since we've had a podcast, uh, holidays and travel. Uh, Christy is still uh, with family up in Athens. Uh, someone had a baby, not him, thank God, because I don't think he could deal with like a third kid. But uh, So he's still tied up there. So it's going to be Josh and I today. But like I said, we have a lot to go over. Uh, a lot of news in the past 24 hours, actually. And then I think the one that's kind of polarizing and people want to hear about, and I'll throw this to you, Josh, is, is the commitment of R.J. Henderson, a uh, wide receiver from Texas. Really, really talented guy with with a little bit of baggage, uh, he's committed to a few different schools now, but he ends up choosing Florida over FSU and Tennessee. And that was a guy that FSU staff felt good about, that that you felt good about um, going to Florida State and surprised a, a real lot of people with the commitment during the Under Armour game yesterday. Yeah, surprised the hell out of me for sure. Um, <laughs> I spoke to R.J. Henderson um, a couple times throughout the week at Under Armour. And uh, during the check-in, is when I put my crystal ball pick in for FSU because I spoke to RJ and he was going to make his decision at Under Armour, which was weird to begin with because RJ Henderson was going to pick between three schools, none of which he had visited any of. Um, and he was going to you know, make his commitment. And then something that made sense to him, he was going to take all three visits after making his decision. <laughs> You do the math there, but a, um, a little strange, a little out of uh, unorthodox. You know, just connecting some dots. Um, he had already committed to Willie Taggart once. He was confident that he was ready to make this decision. Um, he had spoken at length with me about his relationship with David Kelly and Willie Taggart, dating back to their time at Oregon, um, and had also said that yeah, he was going to take three visits, but for now, the only one that was actually set was FSU. Mm-hmm. So. Um, fast forward the day before, all week, I had assumed there was a chance that he could pull back and not commit at the game. Um, and then fast forward, I drove back to Orlando on Wednesday, and I spoke with R.J. Henderson on the field um, after the final practice. And I asked him if he was going to still make his commitment, and he confirmed. And I said, you know, hey, I, I cover Florida State for the network, and I got a pretty good feeling that it's going to be FSU. Um, is that true? And he kind of gave me a look like, yeah. And I said, do you mind if I get some quotes? And, um, you know, he gave me quotes on, on picking FSU. Um, so this is on Wednesday, correct? The day before the announcement, um, practice ended at 1130. So I spoke to him sometime between 1130 AM and noon. Um, and then, you know, I go home, I got my, my quotes, And Luke got a call Wednesday night tipping him off to some smoke about, um, you know, and I I didn't learn this until later, but Luke got word that, hey, something might have shifted, something might have changed, UF starting to feel confident. So Luke calls me on Thursday morning, yesterday morning, the day of the game. And he's like, you got, you talked to him? And I was like, yeah. He's like, you did? And I was like, yeah, in person. He's like, all right. And, um, you know, as things transpired, it was the smoke was was some fire, and R.J. Henderson had decided to go with UF. Um, 
the rival up FSU. I think it was a big blow to Florida State's recruiting efforts. Um, so that's the story behind it. Um, the reason why I think it's such a big blow is really just the the optics. Um, mm-hmm. Usually this stuff doesn't matter. Florida State was recruiting a wide receiver in a position of, of hardly a need. Um, whether or not FSU landed R.J. Henderson uh, isn't going to have a huge impact on 2019 recruiting, and it's not going to have a huge impact on the receiver position because they're okay there. Um, but I think what it did show was just where FSU stands. I mean, this thing lined up perfectly to be kind of a layup for Willie Taggart. Um, it was a kid that had been previously committed to him and didn't visit any other schools. I'll tell you, Jaleel McRae and Kalen Deloach did their damnedest to try to make sure FSU was going to land him. Um and, and they really needed it heading into the final month of January because they haven't had a whole lot of good news. And there's been a lot of confusion between recruiting and, and this whole coaching search thing. Um, confusion is probably the best word to describe the state of the program the last three or four weeks. Um, so this would have been a bit of good news to kind of launch them into January. And unfortunately, we're just left with more questions. Well, you mentioned the optics, Josh. And I think that's, as we kind of look at how everything unfolded in, in the 48, 24 hour span or so with, with Henderson. Uh, one, the two questions I have for you is, is why did Florida state decide to start targeting him at this point? Uh, because previously they had kind of made it a point that they weren't going to go after a whole lot of wide receivers uh, this class. Cause like you said, they felt pretty good about what they brought in last year. Uh, and if they were, it was going to be a big possession receiver outside. Henderson does a lot of things really well, but that's not like his bread and butter. So that seemed off kilter from what they had been kind of focusing on. And then two is, is there, this is me narrating here, but I guess my concern would be, do you agree with it? That uh, the biggest issue is not that Florida state doesn't land him. It's that FSU thought they were going to get him, felt good about it. And then you lose to an in-state rival to him. I think that's where the optic part comes in. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, to, to answer the second question, the optics part of it. Yeah. Uh, we've seen, we've been around you and I, I say, when I say we, I mean, I, this is my eighth recruiting co- cycle covering FSU. We know when they have the juice and we know when they don't, we've been around when FSU just can't miss. We've been around when <clears throat> they land guys like this, guys that, you know, doesn't make sense. Maybe he hasn't visited. Maybe he's been a heavy lean to another program and we've seen FSU come in and swipe, uh, plenty of guys like that in the past. So you also know what it feels like when FSU has been down and out. I mean, when I was covering the team in, in 2010, 2011, uh, there was, there was a lot of uphill battles for FSU in recruiting. Um, and here we are again. And I think it just proves that FSU is going to have a lot of uphill battles in January. Um, some of the guys that maybe some of the longer shots that maybe you thought, okay, FSU can, you know, they just need to get them on campus and they can land them. This might not be the year for those guys. I, I think there is something to recruiting momentum, especially during the recruiting months of November, December, January, when you're bringing kids on campus and you have this sort of excitement around Tribe 19 or whatever the, the hashtag is that year. Um, and this is a good measuring stick. This was a good measuring stick, just to whether you want to know it or not about where FSU recruiting stands right now. Well, and what was the first question? Why did FSU do this? Um, why, to, yeah, why did they pivot to, to someone who didn't did, seem to fit this prototype they were looking for? I don't know. We've seen FSU <laughs> kind of make some weird pivots already yeah. at different positions. Um, 
like when they say when we are of the understanding that there's going to be no running back and if all of a sudden they bring in a running back and a running back that's committed to LSU mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, we're given every indication that Maurice Goolsby is not going to be a part of the class. And then as soon as the season ends, they're going in in home visits and bring him in on official visit. And you're like, uh, that's a pivot from what we understood. Um, you know, saying that they're not going to worry if Tyron Davis goes elsewhere because they're okay. And then going in on Jacques Sorrell. So yeah, I don't know, Brendan, this is just another example of, dare we say panic, dare we say uncertainty, confusion. I mean, it sure gives off the illusion that, um, they're grasping here in recruiting down the stretch. Something that Chris wrote at the end of the season, I can't remember what game it was, but I think it was after the Notre Dame game, but it was about direction and Willie Taggart not having a clear-cut direction from week to week or month to month or, or seeing that the vision of the program continually change. And um, as we go from recruiting here and talk about some of the coaching staff changes and, and whatnot, I think it's appropriate to talk about the vision because uh, Willie Taggart came in with a clear vision talking about lethal simplicity, about installing his spread offense, going fast, uh, wanting a pretty basic, simple defensive scheme where he was going to hand everything over to the defensive coordinator. It was going to be his offense. Uh, he had a lot of ideas. They wanted to recruit Florida and Georgia 100% and maybe step out a little bit here and there. Uh, they had a lot of theories and philosophies of how they wanted to to kind of run things at Florida State and what Willie Taggart had, had envisioned here and, and very – very quickly, um, I don't know if it was immediately after the Virginia Tech game, but but pretty early into the season, it seemed like the plans kind of kept changing, and and that's something that alarmed both Chris and myself. And I think now is we're looking at what's happening on the recruiting trail, the recruiting trail. And I'll defer to you here, Josh. It seems like there is that level of of panic. Um, part of that is you're not getting who you want. I, I get that you have to kind of pivot and and change, but. Um, not only are you not getting who you want, but it doesn't seem like there's a structured plan B or plan C in place. So I think we saw this with, with after Sam Howell and the quarterback recruiting. Uh, they kind of had to start very, very quickly going to the plan B and plan Cs. Um, and, and to me, that's alarming if you're a Florida State fan. It's not that you, you maybe whiff or you, you fail or something doesn't go right and then you have to kind of move on to the next plan. It's that it doesn't seem like there's a sequential order to when, when something does fail, um, how you respond to it. I agree. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's tough right now. It's a tough time, I think, to try to be optimistic about things. And, and I guess we will try to paint, you know, how, how you can turn things around. But right now there's a lot of, it seems like a lot of reacting uh, instead of yeah, being proactive. No, I, I do. I, I, I agree with everything you said. I mean, it was pretty well said. Um, it seems like there's been a direction laid out, but it also at the same time seems like they very rarely stick to that path. Mm-hmm. So and it's, I agree. And you know, it's, it's, it's completely your fault that they didn't re- get RJ Anderson too. Right. Is that, is that where we're at right now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I, I get all the credit when we land guys. So I, I, I deserve the credit when we don't. You know, that's just the way it goes, Brendan. I'm the quarterback of this thing, and whether it's deserved or undeserved, I probably get too much of it, so I'm here for it. You are the quarterback. Um, So speaking of quarterbacks, and let's talk a little bit about that right now, and then we'll get into some of the coaching changes uh, going on. But uh, 
just recently, pretty shortly before we started the podcast here on Friday, uh, there was a report out there that Justin Fields was going to Ohio State. Uh, I don't know if it's been confirmed or if it's still just a singular report. Uh, I'm not sure right now as we record this in the afternoon where that's at. But Yeah, uh, uh, it's been reported, and then I saw Bruce Feldman confirm it with his own sourcing. Okay. Um, I don't, yeah, so it, it's been, it's it's out there. It's not just one source anymore, or one outlet, I should say. So it was kind of pie in the sky for Florida State. We know that they were interested. We know that Fields was at least partially interested in Florida State, but uh, we talked about this before on previous podcasts, is that there was just a lot more attractive options out there for him. So it sounds like Florida State gave Fields a pitch. I talked about coming in and being the guy, being the face of a program. Um, but ultimately, Ohio State's in a better position right now, even with the coaching change. Um, they just have a lot more uh, talent in place to be successful right away on offense. So uh, that ends up you know, being the case. It's hard to blame them. Uh, so what's, I guess, uh, we've talked about plan Bs, plan Cs. Where does FSU go from here? At quarterback? Yeah. Um. <laughs> Not much. You know, this is the thing. Um, I think they keep moving the goalposts back. You know, they keep moving them further and further back. You miss you miss on Michael Penix last year, and it's, well, okay, he's not the, the guy. Emory Jones is the guy, and we want him. You miss on Emory Jones, and you say, well, it doesn't really matter because 2019 – we're going to get our guy and have a full cycle to recruit him. And, you know, that's how it should be done anyway. Emory, you know, it was too, it wasn't set up for success with Emory. So you spend the entire 2019 cycle um, preaching culture and getting the right guys in and you have your quarterback identified. He commits in April and then he flips in um, on the early signing period, on the early signing period. And that's when we start hearing, well, this guy wasn't maybe a fit and, and we dodged a bullet and we need a leader. And it's like, wait, I, I feel like you're moving the goalpost back again because you just, you know, you had a year to figure that out. And it took on signing day to figure out that he wasn't that. And now you also don't have another quarterback because you only because Sam Howell dictated that you only recruit one. Mm-hmm. Um, so now so then so then news of, hey, maybe Jalen Hurts or Justin Fields. Well, now you, you know, from what was a 35 yard field goal, now you just made it. Now you're kicking a 60 yard field goal. Yeah, 60 yard field goal to land a Hertz or Fields is possible, but how likely is it? And now here we are. Okay, now Justin Fields is off the board. Let's move the goalpost back a little bit. And, and, and it's now just Jalen Hurts, but we don't even know Jalen Hurts is leaving Alabama yet. Mm hmm. Um, and of course, there's some high school guys like Lagondre and, and Plumlee, um, but those guys were here all cycle too. And you didn't hear FSU trying to get those guys on campus during the summer because they were intrigued. I mean, we we talk about culture fit. Are these guys even culture fits? Well, and that's going back to the, the R.J. Henderson we're, and how quickly that guys, developed. So yeah. um, I think uh, when you when you take a step back and look at where we've come from Michael Penix to missing on Justin Fields now for the second time, um, FSU just keeps moving the goalposts back. And and I think landing an impact QB is going to become harder and harder now. And, and that was, you know, when we were talking about Henderson earlier, Josh, like that was kind of my point with them kind of not having backup plans. You mentioned the quarterback and how they, they scrambled uh, with, with Sam Howell. 
Um, and, and yeah, I completely understand the rationale. It's like, okay, if he doesn't want to be here, we don't want him here. We need someone who's going to be all 100% in and part of the culture. I get that, but it's not a good thing that you waited as long as you did to realize that that, that wasn't a good fit and that you fought to try to keep him. I do think that Legendary was someone, uh, the, the New Orleans quarterback, who, who I like, uh, someone that they were looking at and kind of keeping warm uh, to either have with Hal or have in place of Hal if something uh, didn't go right. But but yeah, Plumlee's a new a new name. Uh, like you said, with Jalen Hurts, um, that's obviously a plug-and-play starter who you think would be an ideal fit for FSU's uh, spread scheme. But we don't know for sure where he, uh, you know, if he is leaving Alabama yet. I've heard the name Brandon Wimbush from from Notre Dame as a as a possibility, but I I don't know how realistic that is, and if that really really changes the dynamic of your of your program in a year. Like I I, I don't know. There's not a whole lot of great options out there for them, and it, again, it seems more reactionary than anything. Um, the the current quarterback room is DeAndre Francois and James Blackman, and you know as FSU has made it fairly clear that they're searching for help at the position. You know I, I don't know. How, what that means for, for either of those two guys. Uh, they have added a quarterback in Jordan Travis from Louisville, who the staff liked previously uh, when he was a recruit and just got to Tallahassee a little bit too late. He signed early, but uh, I, I like Travis. That, but that's the only quarterback that they've landed in you know, a, a recruiting cycle and, and change for Willie Taggart is, right. is, is one guy, and they need more than just one to kind of have a chance to, to flip the offense around. I agree. And I think I, I too like Jordan Travis, but I'm not going to sit up here and tell you that he's the answer yeah. to QB issues. Um, Jordan's great. Liked him in high school. I think he's a great athlete. Could maybe even play a different position for FSU. Um, and I expect him to sit out of here too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, for Willie Taggart, you still don't have what you believe to be your answer on, on this roster. And your options are limited. And um, I know there's a whole lot of people hoping and praying that it's Jalen Hurts, but we got to see how this national championship game goes down. I mean, Hurts and his family have kind of shown that they're they're a little bit different thinkers, mm-hmm. and he might not do what everybody thinks he's going to do and, and transfer. And if that is the case, then like really, where does FSU turn? Yeah, Wimbush is the the only other name that that I've heard out there. Um, again, others. Well, some interest in him um but but look i mean notre dame moves on from him and their offense is better like that's is that is that a huge maybe it's a better fit for fsu but that's tough yeah outside of justin fields i think there's question there's major question marks surrounding everybody that's leaving including jalen hurts i mean i think hurts plug and play for one year and you load up on maybe get one or two freshmen and, and you add Jordan Travis to that mix, like that gives you a chance to transition um, and maybe see how James Blackman does in in Kendall Bryles' offense. I, I'm I'm do I think Jalen Hurts would be a great fit for them just because of what he brings from a culture perspective. That would be ideal, and he can run that offense. Maybe not at an elite level, but at a damn good one. Right. Uh, he's limited with what he can do throwing the ball down the field, but you know we saw with Quentin Flowers at USF. That's not necessarily what this offense needs. That's one thing I think. If they stick to it, the realization that they need a scrambling quarterback or at least one who can run more effectively. It doesn't have to be an elite runner, but you have to be willing to run something that DeAndre Francois wasn't wasn't comfortable doing, even moving around in the pocket. But anyways, yeah, I, I agree with you, Josh. That the options at quarterback seem relatively limited after Justin Fields and then after Jalen Hurts. It really falls off. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what the, 
the options are after that. Yeah. All right. Uh, I mentioned Kendall Bryles. It's been a while since we, since we had the podcast. The last time we had it, we said that you know sometime I'd be driving down to uh, to St. Pete. FSU would be making an announcement, and uh, right about as I was pulling in to uh, to the driveway, uh, Kendall Bryles was was announced. So uh, good PR uh, move by Florida State from the perspective of of them avoiding backlash. Like I guess hat tip to to them, um, but it was a a hire that, that was going to be fairly polarizing. I assume that that national media will pay attention to it. And, Do you, you think know, they will? I, I think it. I don't I, think, I don't think, I think the whole idea of backlash over this hire was greatly exaggerated. I don't think the national media gives a damn that Kendall Bryles at FSU. I mean, there, it didn't even make a 24 hour news cycle on ESPN, Fox News, you know, Fox Sports or any of these sites. I'm but, I, I'm failing to see the outrage that everybody talks about with the hiring of Kendall Bryles. Well, that's my point. I think the timing of it, they handled it well because they did it at a completely dead time where uh, I mean, could you have imagined like on, you know, Dan Lebetard's show, like he's out of town and like they they skew Brandon, Bryles all the you time. five games and missed the ball game. I think if they would have put this out on December some random day, December 15th at noon, I think it would have gotten the same amount of backlash that it got when it came out when it did. I don't think he's been hired. This is the third time Kendall Bryles has been hired. Mm-hmm. And if, he, if people are going to really on a national level get outraged, then you point to, well, why weren't you outraged when he got hired two other times? Well, because it's Florida state and it's a little bit more I, of a but, polarizing but, spot than FAU. I don't, I just don't think the outrage would have been there. Not the way that, that people talk about it. Um, it. You know, this wasn't even a. We didn't even get an outside the lines on ESPN. They didn't even. They didn't even do a segment on outside the lines on the Bryles hire. So no, I. I just. I don't think it's that big of a deal because I don't think FSU is all that relevant right now. Well, I mean, put it this way: what if? What if? At least relevant during the month of December. Yeah. You know what I mean? no, We're I, college football playoffs and bowl games. And FSU could have done this in the middle of the week at noon, and I don't think it would have caused any more ripples than it did when they announced it. And because they held off so long on announcing it, I do think it really impacted them in recruiting. I don't think that was a consequence that they were anticipating when they probably made the decision to hold off on Bryle's announcement. I mean, it's, it's fair to say that the lack of direction on offense impacted – with Sam Howell, and they use that at least as an excuse. That doesn't mean that that recruitment goes differently if Bryles is in place. And we believe that you know FSU had informed the Howell family that. But Bryles... I don't even think it's directly that. I think just the sense of confusion around the program. Yeah, it adds to the whole not having a direction in, that we talked about earlier. Same percent, you know, I bet you there's a there's a portion of the confusion that probably sent Putnam to Clemson as well. Yeah. You know, confusion and stability. The rumors of more possible coaching change while some people are denying it. Others are very strong that it's going to happen. And it just creates a sense of instability. I agree. And last year I was okay with the coaching hires coming slowly. You have to nail it. You have to get it right. But but clearly Willie Taggart didn't get it right based on I'm playing the results here, but um, there's already been coaching changes. There's going to be more. Uh, the record wasn't very good. Uh, there's a lot of confusion within the program with installing new schemes and, and having direction um shoot man uh, you know yesterday we'll, we'll get into this now i guess the alonzo hampton uh, there was a report that bruce feldman put out and we were able to confirm it that, that alonzo hampton uh 
was going to be relieved of his duties as a special teams coordinator. Um, and that's something that you had reported back in November. If, if FSU was going to make coaching changes, Hampton would be the first one. And, and he was, I mean, you know, Walt Bell leaves for that UMass head coaching job, but, but Hampton was a guy who was more or less on the chopping block because the special teams were dreadful, but that happens. And, you know, I had Amir Rasul liking my tweet on the story. Uh, Wayne McGahey of the Democrat story had Kalen LeBourne and, and Stephen Gabbard uh, liking the story that Hampton was gone. I mean, th- those are guys who were key parts of special teams uh, that, that, at least by those actions, seemed okay with the, the coach leaving. Uh, it shows that Willie miscalculated in some of his hires, and uh, and it's really important that he makes the right ones now. And, and I don't know, you know, taking time, I, I get it, but like you said, there's consequences to taking the time uh, with, with Bryles. And, and then you talk about the coaches on the staff that aren't sure, you know, is Randy Clements coming? And how does that impact Greg Fry? Um, I mean, I can tell you that Fry's been in the offices and he's working, and I believe there's a lot of uncertainty there. But, you know, here we are into the new year and he's still there. I, <laughs> we got, what, six or seven days until the dead period? Mm-hmm. ends and do I think this is going to be all be sorted out by then and new hires are going to be made hell no not based on the way we've seen things run previously so I think we're going to enter we're going to exit the dead period with just kind of more of the same that yeah. we were dealing with in late December and that's not sustainable long term like I said you can do that every now and then uh, to make sure you get it right but that can't become the norm to where it just takes you a long time to get stuff settled down um, I called that Hampton being fired a couple days before the UF game, mm-hmm. knowing that he was going to be out. And it's just like, you start questioning whether or not you were completely off on that after weeks and weeks go by and he's not let go. Um, and then sure enough, you know, on January 2nd, he's gone. And it's like, well, how was that decision so hard to make? Could have been done hours after the Florida game and you could have possibly had a hire made to go in home with kids. So, you know, I think even just again, going back to the optics, um, this is on the outside looking in, but we see readers on our message board. I see people on social media and I understand it. It was a move that crisis management 101 man is don't delay until tomorrow. What needs to be done today. That's a move that you were going to make. And and by all accounts, we expected that to be the first you know domino to fall. You know, why wait a month? Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if that needs to, to happen and, and based on the, the contracts as, and this is me not having any kind of legal background but trying to look through it like it didn't seem to matter like there wasn't a kick into year two of the contract or something like that it, it didn't seem to matter when they let go of of, of Hampton so I I don't know man it kind of keeps going back and I and I hate being negative about it but I'm just trying to be realistic there's a lot of confusion and not a clear direction I, I just keep coming back to that, that that's that's been the overarching theme for the better better part of Willie Taggart's tenure since the season started, uh, and they've kind of had to keep pivoting and trying to figure out stuff, and and it's kind of carried over into the off season here. Yep. All right. So the only other things I want to get through, um, well, re- real quick, I'll just a minute on it. Uh, we've seen the rumors that, uh, and it's out there on social media now that Akeem Dent has apparently signed with FSU. I don't think we've been able to confirm that just yet, but. Well, I got a good reason to believe that this might have happened a few days uh, right before because I was reached out to by somebody close to Dent asking for an edit from this guy Billion Bus um, to get it done for Dent. 
And I believe as we tape this, what's today? Friday? Friday. It's 2 p.m. right now. I wouldn't be surprised if an edit with a keen dent drops, um, solidifying his status with Florida State today. I think that's what we've been waiting on these last few days. So we'll see. But yeah, there's a lot of smoke that um, that he signed something or he's going to sign. Now, I'm not exactly sure. I got to talk to Chris or get some clarification. But I know the early signing period is closed. So I don't know if this has been faxed in yet or if now he has to wait until February to fax it in. But either way, I mean, Akeem Dent is not an early enrollee. So this isn't going to affect any of that. Yeah, it would, it would be nice. So if you had the, you know, something signed and done so that we didn't have to worry about anything changing in the next few months or next month, I guess it's already January. Um, but yeah, that's big if that is indeed the case. Yeah, it'll definitely happen now. As soon as we first stop recording the podcast, that's how that tends to work. Um, all right, setting up and we'll talk about this before, uh, before the time comes, but just put on the radar. There's a couple big recruiting weekends. It was initially, going to be what January 17th but now it's looking like it's going to be the 24th 25th one is is that right Josh or am I getting that confused the 25th is the big weekend yes yeah initially it was going to be the weekend before I thought but I think they've moved it back um so that's like when Henderson's supposed to be there that's when uh was it Bell the big uh, offensive lineman uh from South Georgia is supposed to be in so that's that looks like that's going to be their their big weekend now um and and I guess Fair to say that at least Willie Taggart, based on the limited amount of time we've been able to cover him at FSU, that he's proven he could be a good closer. So I guess that's kind of the last stand, I think, for, for me to kind of say, okay, like he can still, you know, even with the things not going in a good direction, some questionable management, obviously a poor five and seven season. Uh, if he can finish strong and get you close to a top 10 class, uh, do you feel better about the direction of the program heading into to spring football? Do I feel better about it? Yeah, do you, do you feel better? Do you think fans should feel better if they kind of solidify things here in the next month? I mean, yeah, if they solidify things. I just think that the options where things need to be solidified are very limited at mm-hmm. offline quarterback. Uh, linebacker, I think they've done a pretty good job of getting what they need. Um, quality and numbers. Of course, they can add one more body or one more – target there I think that they need to but for for the most part I think they'll get that done and I like what they've hauled in so far um but at the offensive line I mean bringing in no offensive tackles at the high school level and now scraping the bottom of the barrel just trying to get some names involved um isn't doesn't really bode well for the month of January and you know I'm not real optimistic about what they got on at quarterback I think maybe if, if it's not Jalen Hurts, which at this point I think is a long shot, a couple – there's a lot of hurdles that need to be overcome to get there. A lot of hurdles hurt? I think <laughs> hurdles. we might be still talking about possible QB transfers after spring practice, awesome. after another group you know, kind of sees what the depth chart looks like at their current school and then bails. So Jesus. we might not have clarity on some of these things until the summer or just before fall camp. It's crazy. Let, let me so let me rephrase my question then. Will, do you think you'll be confident about the direction of Florida State's program come National Signing Day? It sounds like you're skeptical where you're sitting right now, but I just want to make sure we're clear on that. It does seem like there's a lot of variables that you're not super confident in at, at this moment. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it, there's. I'm, there, painting, I'm I, painting you into a corner here. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I think you can tell by my voice. I'm not super confident. Yeah. 
Right. I, I'm not either if it makes you feel any better, but people don't seem to care that much about my opinion. So I'm, uh, I'm giving you the platform here. Yeah, I mean, hey, the direction of the program right now, um, we're going we're gonna to learn a lot just heading into the – like we don't know what quarterbacks are going to be on the roster, Brendan, heading into the spring semester, let alone coming out of the spring camp, you know? I've, I've been told that there could be decisions made for some of the quarterbacks. I mean, we got to see with DeAndre Francois, but even with James Blackman before spring practice, like we, we got to see, uh, I think, we've, I think talked, the, we've talked about Blackman on the podcast before you and I and Chris, and yeah. just the way that this whole thing, you know, if you're looking at it from his perspective, just the way that this whole thing played out, can't, you can't have a lot of confidence in returning because You've been looked over so many times just throughout the season, and now here we are in the offseason. It seems like FSU's desperate to replace you once again. If, if the girl doesn't return your text, that means she's not interested in you after a while. Uh, is what I learned during my single days all too often. There you go. Oh, all right. I'm going to make it awkward as we finish up the podcast. Anything else before I, uh, before I sign off here? No, that's about it. All right, Josh, well done. 33 minutes of you being engaged. I think that's a new record. So uh, appreciate the time and the insight, guys. Thanks for listening. This is Brendan Sinone with the Knowles 24-7 Podcast. Five-star reviews on iTunes. It's Friday, almost eh, close enough to 5 p.m. to where I'm going to start drinking. Talk to you later.